I want to talk about this morning about burying the gates of hell. Burying the gates of hell. And uh, I know some of you like to stand, so just stand one more time and then we'll let you sit for a long time. How about that? For the reading of God's Word. Matthew 16 and verse 13, and we're going to read down through verse 21. And this says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, or Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, or the Son of Man am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And He said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And that's going to be the question this morning. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on this earth will be loosened in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things uh, from the elders and the chief and the scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for uh, God. we, we, We can now sing that is who you are. We thank you for the confession. God, of, a, of, of Peter. On the, and we thank you, God, that today you're going to reveal some things to us. God, that that question comes to all of our hearts and we all must make a confession. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And God, upon that confession, God, you do something great. You're building something in, incredible, uh, God. And, and, and we just, uh, there, there's a promise given uh, that to people who make that confession. Uh, Lord, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Lord, we thank you for that today, God. I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would change our lives, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, send revival individually to, to us, God. Lord, it's the church that must wake up. It's the church that must have revival. It's the church that must rise up and, and, and turn people back to you, God. It's the church that must distribute the Word of God. It's the church that God must, must uh, preach uh, this gospel of the kingdom in all the world as a witness and then the end shall come God so please God Lord just send revival to us God we've been we've been we've been lukewarm God we've been we've been uh, not doing what we should be doing God we've been mixed in too much with the world God we've become way too comfortable and God it's time God we we're we're being shaken now in all the nations of the earth God and Lord I'm grateful for it because you're 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 doing some things in us now you're causing us to wake up to our condition and recognize where we are and what we've been doing as a nation and as a people. And Father, I just pray, God, that you would speak to us today, God. You would change our lives, God, and that you would change the listeners that are listening online. In the name of Jesus, we pray. The Christ, the Son of the living God. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Burying the gates of hell. I heard a pastor telling about a a service that he was in, like this service, when he was younger, and he said it was just a normal service. He was a young, young man at that time, and he said he re- remembers that when uh, somehow when they gave the altar, uh, altar call, it may not even been when the altar call went on, but young people began streaming to the altar. 
And he said it was just really phenomenal how the Lord started moving and people started coming down to the altar and crying out to God and just uh, to, 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 to help them, to save them, to change their lives. And he said he remembered watching the preacher. And this happens sometimes when the Spirit moves in a certain way and people do things out of the ordinary sometimes that you, 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 you're sitting there and you're saying, now God, what do we do? What do we do with this? Or what, what, how, do, how do I proceed forward? What do I do now? And, and this man, he remembers watching this pastor kind of contemplate what am I what am I going to get up and say when I get up uh, come back from this 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 group that's come down and all this that's going on in the service and he said he remembered the preacher taking the mic and and he was trying to discern what to say and here's the words that he got up and said he said he said it's a shame that they can't all die right now because some of them are not going to make it and 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 the little boy thought well, how true that is because he said, I lay awake every night and I pray that I don't die and go to hell. But the sad part of that statement is he, go, he said, as I grew later, I came to realize that that really was not a shame that those people uh, should have died in that moment. Because the thought process is while we're on the mountaintop and while we're God and while everything's right, that, that we ought to just be taken on out and go right into heaven. But that's the furthest thing from the truth, because in reality, the sad part, the shame was in the fact that they, they didn't believe that God could keep these young people once they got up out of the altar and walked outside into the into the world and outside the door of the church that's the real shame is that, that that we must believe that God has the power to keep us even after we get saved even after we get up even after we exit the doors and go back to the workplace and go back to wherever we go during the week that God has the power to keep us and God has the power to save us and that's the truth we're going to come from today in this passage of scripture that we've looked at is the context of our text that Jesus has brought these disciples here and he brought them to a certain place in Caesarea Philippi and it's really an interesting place and it's not by coincidence that he brought them to this location we hear those words location 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 was everything here and I never realized that before I studied this out and before hearing some sermons and preaching on this today I never realized the significance of where they they were when they were in this place in Caesarea Philippi that Jesus this was not a chance happening Jesus didn't just say well this looks like a good spot this was strategic this was speaking to them about something he's asking them right in the middle of this place who do me who do they say that I am and who do you say that I am and it is a very very significant place that he is at and he is located when he asked this. And I want to give you a couple of points about that, three uh, specifically, so you can understand where they're located at in this place where Jesus brings them because they're at the base, number one, they're at the base of Mount Hermon. And it's a very, very interesting place, Mount Hermon is. And it's a place where uh, the, 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 in the Old Testament had some significance here. And also in the New Testament, the Greeks and the Romans, uh, there was this, this mountain was constantly known as a mountain where pagan worship and pagan idolatry occurred. It's, it was a mountain that was about 500 feet wide. It was about 100 feet high. It's a huge rock. It's a huge rock. 
It, it, and, and, and on this huge rock, they, it, they, there was a place where in the Old Testament, it was the home of gods like Baal. And it was, the, it was of other Canaanite gods that, were, that, that they worshipped on this mountain and on this rock. And in this place, they carved gods into the mountain. They, 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 uh, they had uh, temples and various things that went place there. You may remember Jeroboam in, in Kings. The Bible tells us about a king named Jeroboam and the kingdom split and Jeroboam got concerned about the northern kingdom having to travel because at that time the only place you could worship God was in Jerusalem. That's where the temple was located. That's where you went to worship God. And so he got concerned. Well, if my people go all the way over to the church over in Jerusalem, I'm going to lose them and something's going to happen and all kinds of things began to go through Jeroboam's mind. So he's got a convenient idea. I tell you what, on Mount Hermon, I will, I will bring and put up a golden calf and I'll make it convenient so the people from the northern tribe will have another place that they can worship and we'll worship Yahweh through this golden calf on this mountain which was a very, very bad mistake. But I'm painting you the picture of what this pagan rock this pagan mountain it, it, that, that Jesus brings His disciples before to ask this very important question. Who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And, and He's strategically in this place where all this idolatry has occurred in the Old Testament by, by uh, pagan nations and not only pagan, by, but by even by His own, by the Israelites uh, have, have, have strayed away and gone down this road. Now, number two, pagan uh, at Mount Hermon was a place known for idolatry and demonic possession, uh, presence, as I said. Jesus and His disciples were at the base of the foot of this mountain and they're surrounded by what's called Pan's Temple that is located here. They had worship sites for Zeus. They had worship sites for Nemesis. They had worship sites for the Roman Empire. And they literally had what was known as a cave there behind the temple that was known as the Gates of Hades. And there was water that flowed down into this, into this cavern, into this gate so deep. And they, they, they said it was, a, 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 it, was a, it was a gate to the underworld. And the god Pan and other underworld gods lived there. So that's where you've got, that's what you've got going on. Here, you can go study it. I read it. Listen, I, I pulled all kinds of stuff off the internet. Caesarea Philippi, which stood in a lush area near the foot of Mount Hermon, was a city dominated by immoral activity and pagan worship. It, it said religious practices were vastly different from those in the nearby Jewish towns. And it said the Old Testament times, uh, the northeastern area of Israel became the center of Baal worship. Jeroboam built the high place. The worship of Baal replaced the worship of Greek fertility gods. It was the center uh, later it was the center of the worship of the god, Greek god Pan. And the Greek named the city Paneas in honor. Years later the Romans conquered it and Herod Philip built, rebuilt the city and named it after himself. Uh, but Caesarea Philippi continued to focus on the worship of Greek gods. In the cliff that stood above the city, local people built shrines and temples to Pan. And it goes on and on. They, uh, that, that, uh, they encouraged, uh, th this is the place where Jesus encourages his disciples to build the church. And it's at the very gates of hell the, the, to the pagan mind. The cave Caesarea Philippi created a gate to the underworld where fertility gods lived. During 
fearing the winner. They committed detestable acts of worship to these false gods right there. They believed there were fertility gods that lived in the underworld there. And they would come each year at spring and the cave had these spring waters there. And they believed they did all kind of detestable practices to conjure up the spirits there and the spirit world. And literally the gates of the underworld, they called it there. And when Jesus brought his disciples there, they must have just been shocked. They must have been shocked at where they're standing and the rock that they're looking at and the mountain that's there and all the pagan practices that are going on in this place right there. And it's there in this locality that Jesus decides to come and ask one of the most important questions in this place right here. He's saying, what do you believe about me in the place where I'm standing surrounded by all this idolatry? When I'm standing at the gates of hell, when I'm standing in all this godless wickedness and evil and sexual immorality and fornication and and all this debauchery and all of the sickness that's going on, as I'm standing here in this very place, I want you to make a decision about me and my identity. And I'm asking you today, as you stare at the mountain outside of this room, as you stare at all the pagan practices going on in this nation, as you stare at all the sexual immorality and confusion in the poor minds of our children that can't even decide if they're a male or a female anymore, as we stand in this place and this mountain and surrounded by the gates of Hades all around us, the important question Jesus is bringing to you today is do you understand and know my identity? Who do you say that I am even in the midst of all of this? And that's the third place. He was at the very gate of hell. And what he says is Peter declares, makes a declaration to his answer to his question and he says, you are the Son of the living God. Even in the midst of all of this, you are the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Anointed One. You are the One who was promised to come. You are the One. You are the Only. You are the True God. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus says something to Peter. He says, yes, and upon that confession, Peter, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's not talking about Peter being the rock. He's not talking about the confession. Literally, he's really talking about that mountain. Upon this mountain of evil, I will build my church and the literal gates of hell right there will not stop it. None of that's going to stop me from building my church upon this place. No evil, no power in hell. Nothing will stop me from building my church. And that's why he chooses this locale. That's why he brings them to this place. That's why he shows them all these pagan practices. That's why literally the gates of hell symbolically are there. And he says, here, right in this very spot, guys, choose my identity and understand who I am because this has nothing of power over me. And Peter obviously does mean rock. 
And he says, everyone who makes the confession I give today will become a rock as well. And out of those rocks, I will build my church on this rock. And the gates of hell will not overcome it and will not, uh, will not, not crush the, 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 the kingdom of God. And so those who make this confession crush the gates of hell. These gates uh, uh, the, the, will fall through God's people. These gates will fall through the church of the living God and the work that He's going to do through the church of the living God. And He's saying, my, my, that because my identity... Uh, and, and does my identity and the power of my promises depend on where I'm located? If I'd have taken you to a place where there wasn't the gates of hell, would it have made a difference? Or does it matter? Because my power is as strong there as it is here, guys. It doesn't matter the location. It doesn't matter the times. It doesn't matter, oh, well, Brad, we're in the end times. What are we going to do? Oh, I hope we hurry up and get out of here. No, he says, that's where I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Don't fret. Don't fear. Understand who I am. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon your profession, Peter, upon your declaration of a knowing my identity, even where we're located right here, knowing that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? It's time to fight. It's not time to quit. It's not time to escape. It's time to rise up and understand who God is and understand the God who is that lives inside of us and understand that He is a church and He doesn't want the gates of hell to prevail against us. Amen? And He's given us His Word that's a rock. And He's given us Him that's a rock. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, he has said it's time to get back on our knees. It's time that we must keep keeping on in prayer and intercession. And that's how we're going to make war. And that's how we bind and loose, which is what he leads us into. He leads us into the fact that the church will have the power to bind and have the power to loose the powers of darkness. And don't ever, he's, what he's saying is in this locality, I'm showing you my identity and revealing my identity so you will never, 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 Never doubt that I have power over the darkness in this world. Amen? Don't ever doubt I'm strong enough to defeat the gates of hell. Don't ever doubt that I'm strong enough to defeat the pagan idolatry. Don't ever think that I'm not strong enough to go into your high schools with the Word of God and bring a child to its knees and bring them into a church with a testimony. Don't ever think that I don't have the power to take my Word and my promises and my people into a prison and watch prison doors open even though they're still in a jail cell and be set free. Don't ever think that I can't come to a drug rehab and reach somebody inside of that place there's no power on earth that can stop the one who is identifying himself and standing in front of you i am the christ the son of the living god amen and he says you might be tiny church and you might seem to be losing your influence but when you pray it resounds in heaven and i hear it and I, 
And, and, and at the heart of Peter's confession was the revelation Jesus is stronger than all the paganism. You have Christ. He is stronger than what you see in front of you. And folks, no matter how dark, he's saying, Peter, does this mountain look dark? No, because you are the Christ is what Peter said. And that's exactly what we have to come to grips with today. Does that look dark out there? No, because you are the Christ. Is it too dark in our schools? No, because you are the Christ. Is it too dark in our government? No, because you are the Christ. Is it too dark in my marriage? No, because you are the Christ. Is it too dark in my children's lives? No, because you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And you're stronger than the evil playing out in our generation. And so he says, it's on that confession when you start believing that I am stronger. It's not in you conjuring up. We come in and we'll have a prayer and we'll have a binding and loosen. Everybody thinks they got to name everything we got to bind and everything we got to loosen. That's fine. There may be times we do that, but it's absolutely an understanding that in believing that the one who is before you, the one who lives inside of you, the one you're crying out to in heaven, the one, he has bound the strong man. He is the one who is stronger. He has the power. It is in believing, folks. Believe. We just heard John 3 16. That's how you get saved. You believe on the Son of God. Well, everything else in this walk with Christ is the same way. You believe in His power. You trust in His power. You receive His power. Amen. And you watch the demons of hell run and flee. Amen. So binding and loosing is having power over demonic forces. That's what it really is about. Matthew 12 and Mark 3, we preached it a while back. Jesus said that, that, that when you come into a house, the first thing you must do is you must bind the strong man. He says, you must bind the strong man. You must bind the... If you're going to overtake the house and you're going, to, you're going to go into that place, then the very first thing you've got to do is bind the one that's the strongest there. And he's saying, that's what we've got to do. That's what he did. And that's what his church is expected to do. He bound the woman. If you remember in Luke 13, 16, there was a woman that had been bent over for 18 long years in the church. She had been coming. She had been going through things. And all of a sudden, after 18 long years, he's saying to the people that shouldn't we loose this woman from the demonic oppression that's on her shouldn't we bind shouldn't we loose so and he said woman be free be healed and all of a sudden she is free after all those years listen folks God does not want people around this earth bound by the wicked one when the church has the power of Christ the confession of Christ the understanding of Christ that he's already bound the strong man and we can get on our knees and begin to pray for this community we can be begin to pray for prisons we can be begin to pray for nations and we can watch God bind and loose amen we take authority when we pray those are not just words why would we do it if we didn't believe he's going to do something we didn't believe he's going to bind the drugs in this area if we didn't believe he's going to bind the alcohol if we didn't believe he was going to loose somebody free so that they can come to salvation if we didn't believe he's going to loose our families and loose the people in this community that's why we pray that's why we intercede that's why we're going to come together on october 30th and come in this place is oh god free people in this area from the clutches of satan you've already bound 
become the strong man. You've already won the battle, God. Now loose them, God. Let them go. God, save the man next door. Save the guy across the street. God, save the people down the road. God, save my next door neighbor. Help them to come to know You, God. People are bound by so many things, dear God. Loose them and help them, dear God. And when we pray and when we intercede and when we fast, our God moves. Amen? Hallelujah. And as I said, we don't have to name everything. We just have to have an understanding of this in our heart. That, 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 that He's able to bind and loose. And the reason He is able to bind and loose is found in Matthew 16, 19. He points out the reason as I get ready to close. It says that Peter and his disciples, and even we today, are able to bind the demonic powers and loose their captives because of one thing, the cross. Amen. It ain't you. You ain't all that. I'm not all that. Your preacher's not all that. Your Sunday school teacher's not all that. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Because this is what he says. Listen, from, the time, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must suffer many things from the elders and the chief of priests and the scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Jesus promises us, his promise to us that he'll build his church on where, right in Satan's camp. That he'll literally build it on top of the mountain. He'll build a new kingdom on the kingdom of darkness. He'll build a kingdom of light on top of that. He says, but here's how. It's not dependent on you and me. It's dependent upon Him. It's dependent upon His death, burial, and resurrection. That's when I'll build it. That's how I'll build it. That's how the power will come. And that's when it will take place. It's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Him. Jesus defeated the powers of sin, death, and hell. That, that so that we are going to be effective now in our prayer life and now when we pray things are bound and things are loosed thank him for the cross so our authority is not derived in us or, or excuse me our authority is derived but it's derived from him and not from within ourselves Authority comes from God and God alone. And there's going to be a church. There's going to be a church. And, 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 and we're going to overcome the gates of hell. 
And it's because of the cross of Jesus Christ and because of Him. Verse 19, before said that, said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosened. Well, all of that is just absolutely made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. And that's how He's going to build His church. So, so, so you're stronger. What He's saying is if you can know who I am and you can believe who I am, and you can have the same confession as Peter, then you'll be a rock too, and I'm going to build you into a church. And nothing will stop it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so my question to you today is what is your confession of this Christ? Given the world we're living in and the mountain that we're facing, the mountain of immorality, the mountain of prejudice, the mountain of racism, the mountain of perversion, the mountain of godlessness. Who do you say that the Son of Man is? A good teacher? A prophet? One of many gods and many roads to heaven? See, He didn't leave that as an option. He said, I am the way the only way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. I am the door. And it's only through this door will you come in and find life, eternal life, and salvation, and hope, and joy, and mercy, and forgiveness. I'm the good shepherd. Everybody else tries to come in another way. But I'm the good shepherd. And I give my life for the sheep. I lay my life down. Nobody else has come to this earth and laid down their life for me. And picked it up again. I have the power not only to lay my life down, but I have the power to take it up again. No, Buddha didn't do that. He's dead in the grave. Muhammad didn't do that. Allah did not do that. And don't ever say Allah is the same as Jesus Christ or God because He's not. He's a moon God and He's a false God and, and Jesus Christ is the true and the living God. And every other knee will bow and every other false God will fall and bow and declare that Jesus Christ is the same one Peter declared. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Father... Those are not my words. That's Scripture. And either you take all of Scripture or you take none of it. You didn't give us an option to take pieces of it and call it good literature. It either is the Word of God, 100% infallible. Either it is or it's garbage. That's just the truth. And I happen to know because of what has taken place in my life, that it is 100% the inerrant, the perfect Word of God. And it's meant to lead us all through the pages from Genesis to Revelation. It is to show us Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. He is the television set of God. We couldn't know God, we couldn't know what He was like until this Jewish Nazarene, this carpenter, God, took on flesh and walked 
on planet Earth and literally divided time, divided the calendar from B.C. to A.D. We have history to prove it. Walked this earth for 33 years. Lived a sinless, perfect life. Died on the cross for all the sins of mankind. Paid the way and opened up a way back into the heart and arms of the Father. Opened His arms up and said, Anyone who comes to Me, I will in no wise cast out. said the world is already stands guilty and judged and will stand before the judge of all the earth one day and give an account. And you're already guilty. There's already a death sentence on you. However, I took that death sentence and if you'll receive my payment and my punishment for your sin, you will pass from death unto life. And I will forgive and offer you clemency and a pardon. And you'll have access to the tree of life and into the garden of God forever. And I'll give you a new heart, a new mind, and a new spirit. And I'll write my name upon your heart. And I'll write the laws of my God upon your heart. And I'll record your name in the Lamb's book of life. And you'll be a new creation. And you'll never be separated from me again, God says. Hallelujah.